Hello and welcome to your Over the Farm Gate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian and the CLA. I'm your host for this week, Farmers Guardian editor and agri-briefing group editor Ben Briggs. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. So subscribe through all your favourite podcast platforms, whether that's Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher or Acast, to ensure that you stay up to date. Coming up on the show this week, with a raft of government support to help businesses and employees through the second lockdown, we bring you everything you need to know, with a look at what's available and how to access it. Plus, with changes to the annual investment allowance, Jess Fredenberg talks to rural accountant Safri Champners for some top tips. And it's back on our screens and inspiring a nation of bakers. The Great British Bake Off is back with a bang and it's looking for a farmer for its next series. Could it be you? We speak to one of the show's fans, dairy farmer's daughter and bakery business owner Ellie White of Baker Lily. Ellie applied for the show last year and tells us all about the application process, plus why there's no better time to be showcasing ingredients produced by British farmers and growers. The Country Land and Business Association is the only organisation solely dedicated to the protection of land and property rights and promoting the interests of the wider rural economy. We help our members work in the best interests of the land, wildlife and the environment. Join today at www.cla.org.uk. Just over a week ago, the Chancellor Rishi Sunak announced billions of pounds more in support to help people and businesses affected by the COVID pandemic. But what does this all mean for farmers? Joining me to explain this is Martin Dobinson, partner at Safri Champness Accountants. Martin is a specialist in rural and agribusinesses and landed estates, and he mainly works with family businesses. So, Martin, there's, there's lots to dig into today, um, lots of detail for people to understand. Let's start with what is called the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme. Um, what is this and how is it different to what the Chancellor was promising before? So, so prior to his latest announcements, we were expecting a couple of new schemes to come in from the 1st of November. Uh, and the first of those was a new Coronavirus Job Support Scheme. So the principles of that were quite similar to the coronavirus job retention scheme and that employers could claim uh, a government grant to support payment of employee wages. Uh, and that could be claimed where employees had either been forced to work reduced hours or where their work had been stopped altogether. And in simple terms, what the government were going to do is they were going to fund two thirds of the pay for that employee for the normal hours that they would have worked had they been able to work. Uh, and the second thing that was supposed to be coming in was a new job retention bonus scheme. And under that scheme, employers where they had been able to retain a previously furloughed employee in some kind of meaningful employment until at least the end of January, they'd get a £1,000 bonus for every employee. Uh, And there was going to be a claim window which would open on the 15th of February to claim that £1,000 bonus. But the recent announcements obviously withdrew both of those schemes And instead, what we've got is a return to what's effectively a modified version of the more generous coronavirus job retention scheme. So the the funding under that scheme is going to revert to the level that we had when the scheme was first introduced back in March, April time. So what employers can do is for furloughed employees, 
they can claim 80%, a government grant for 80% of that employee's earnings. And that'll be capped at £2,500 per month per employee. And they'll also have to fund the employer's national insurance contributions uh, and any auto-enrolment pension contributions as well. But the, the big advantage that we've got is that employers can continue with this flexible furloughing. So, so long as they've got an, an agreement with the employee, they can vary the furloughing. So that can be done on a part-time basis, they can vary hours, they can vary shift patterns, all of those sorts of things. Is there a deadline for applying for this? And how do people do that? There is no deadline for applying for this. Um, basically, you're, to claim in respect of an employee, that employee has to have been employed in the business and on the payroll on the, on the 30th of October. And they also need to have been paid through payroll at some point between the 20th of March and the 30th of October. Okay. Another one of the advantages with, the, with, with this, this new um, job support scheme is that employers can rehire employees. So if an employee has been made redundant after the 23rd of September, they can actually be re-employed and then put straight onto furlough leave and the employer can claim the grant in respect of that employee. Okay, so, the, so there is basically a lot more flexibility that's been built in to allow people to, to modify what, what they need, basically. Absolutely, yeah. And the scheme is going to run until 31st of March next year. Uh, but the, the level of funding that's given through the scheme will be reviewed in January. Oh, 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 so, okay, so it might be, so the amount being given, you mean might change up until March? Yes, similar to what we've had okay. previously, where the, the Chancellor's reviewed the scheme periodically and reduced the amount of funding that's been available. Uh, we're expecting a similar review in January. So it is best to apply ASAP then, probably, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so, okay, so a lot of people listening... Um, maybe farmers who don't employ anybody and they would be classed as uh, self-employed and a sole trader. You know, what is the announcement for people who are self-employed? Yeah, so there will be renewed support available for the self-employed as well. Uh, And the grants that the self-employed can claim, that will also revert back to the levels that we had when the scheme was first introduced. So they'll be able to claim a grant covering 80% of their average trading profits up to a maximum of £7,500. And that one-off payment will cover three months. So that will basically cover November, December and January. And similar to the review that we're expecting in January for the um, coronavirus job retention scheme, we're expecting further grants to be available for the self-employed, which will cover February, March and April. But the level of funding that will be provided for the self-employed in that second round won't be announced until January. Okay, and I think there's um there's an important difference here that we need to just look at. If say you're say you're a farmer, and for whatever reason you have decided that you're not classed as a, a sole trader, but you're say a company director, mm. how how is that going to differ in terms of what you can what you can claim the support that you're allowed? Mm, that's an interesting point, actually. Um, it's probably worth clarifying that. Self-employed partners in a farming partnership are also self-employed. So anyone who is a sole trader or a partner in a partnership will, in theory, be able to claim through the self-employed income support scheme. Uh, Where a farmer does operate through a limited company, uh, the farmer will be a director. And directors are actually employees of that company. So the company as an employer 
will be able to claim in respect of its employees through the the, the job retention scheme. Um, but I think it's probably relatively unlikely that a company director will have been furloughed. But if a company director has been furloughed, the company will be able to claim in respect of them. And there's something else as well, isn't there? The um, a grant scheme that, uh, that the Chancellor has, has been talking about. Is this something that farm business enterprises could benefit from? Because from, from what I've read, this is particularly applicable to businesses that have been affected by the tier two and three restrictions. Mm. I'm guessing that might be farm business enterprises that are related to, say, hospitality, something like that. Yes, potentially, potentially farmers could claim through this. And it will typically be those that have diversified into enterprises, typically in hospitality or leisure. So things like bed and breakfast, you know, cafes, player barns, wedding venues, those sorts of things. Basically, you need to have, the enterprise needs to have been forced to close as a, as a result of the COVID restrictions uh, to be able to claim one of these grants. The important distinction is that the business must not have chosen to close. They have to have been forced to close. Um, uh, you need to have a rateable business property to be able to claim as well. And the amount that you can claim under this grant depends on the rateable value of the business property. So the maximum grant that you can claim is £3,000 per month. Uh, and those grants are actually delivered through local authorities. So if anyone does want to claim one of those, they need to apply through uh, their local council's website. What about the loan? Because there is a loan available as well, isn't there? Mm, yeah. So in terms of loans, you've got the two main loan schemes. So the first of those is the bounce back loan scheme. Uh, and the second being the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme or C-bills. So both of those schemes have now been extended uh, and you can continue to apply for both of those up until the end of January. So just to recap on what those loan schemes are all about, uh, under the bounce back scheme, where a business has been impacted by COVID, you can borrow up to £50,000 and that's capped at 25% of the business's turnover. There are no fees or interest or repayments on that loan in the first 12 months. And the term of the loan is up to 10 years, potentially. Now, if a business has already claimed a bounce back loan, but they didn't borrow the full amount that they were entitled to, you can apply for a top up. Uh, the Seabill scheme is a slightly bigger scale. So a business can borrow up to £5 million under that scheme. And under that, the government will guarantee the borrowing up to 80%. And they will cover the fees and interest for the first 12 months. And again, under C-bills, there's no repayments for the first 12 months of the loan. And you can borrow on a term up to six years. Now, one of the conditions for C-bills is that you, the business can't have a turnover in excess of £45 million. But one of the distinctions between bounce back and C-bills is that under C-bills, the business does need to provide some evidence of viability had it not been for covid so things like projections and forecasts and those sorts of things. Do we know what the, the fees and interest rates look like after that first 12 months? Yes, certainly on the bounce back loan scheme, the interest rate is 2.5%, I believe, uh, after the initial 12-month period. Okay, okay. Thanks for that clarity there, Martin. Okay, so another thing to quickly whiz over is mortgage repayment holidays. So this was something that was um, existing that the Chancellor had brought in a few months back, and it's just been extended by another six months. Um, who can apply for this, and when is the deadline? 
Yeah, so this was another scheme that was due to close on the 31st of October. As you say, it's been extended for another six months. Uh, and you can basically apply to defer repayments on a mortgage if you've been affected by COVID and you're experiencing payment difficulties, basically. So it's, it's essentially open to anyone with a mortgage. Um, again, if you want to take advantage of it, you should contact your lender and you need to apply for that by the end of January next year. And one of the, the main advantages of this is that if you do decide to defer under the scheme, those deferred payments shouldn't show up on your credit history. But it is very much for people who are having difficulties paying their mortgage, isn't it? It's not just, oh, let's all have a, you know, a mortgage holiday if everything's fine. It's very much, I think that's that's very much in the government guidance, isn't it? Yes, it is. It, it is specifically for those who are having problems with payment. Looking ahead a little bit, because 2021 is obviously going to be quite challenging in lots of ways. Um, we've got, you know, co- the impact from COVID. We've also got end of the Brexit transition period and everything that will be coming with that. So what would you be advising farming clients at the moment to do in terms of how to get their finances in a, in a healthy kind of position to be able to cope with what is most likely going to be like an, an economic uh, slump coming? I suppose for me, it's it's all about cash flow, you know, protecting cash and managing cash flow. So my my advice would be to prepare proper budgets and proper forecasts, you know, apply sensitivity analysis to those, plan for various different scenarios, including the worst case scenario. Um, have a look at what the impact is on your cash flow, your business's cash flow as a result of those different scenarios. And basically just be prepared for for all eventualities you know have a regular dialogue with your customers and your suppliers so if there are likely to be any potential problems they can be discussed in advance Um, have a good look at all the support packages that are available from the government and make sure that you do apply for anything that you can qualify for before the, the the relevant deadlines and i suppose have a look at the current situation and your business and See if there are any opportunities there for new enterprises or diversification. And also kind of tying into that, can you partner up with any other businesses to share resources, you know, save costs? Or can you partner up to exploit any of those potential new opportunities? I mean, are there also any sort of common low-hanging fruits in farming businesses for, you know, for, for making savings? I think it'll, it will differ from business to business. But the key for me is just to look critically at the entire cost base of the business. Um, you know, what are the luxuries? What could the farmer potentially do themselves? You know, cut back on anything that's non-essential, basically. You want to ensure that your business is as lean and nimble as possible. And you can adapt, you know, pretty quickly to what could be a, a quickly changing situation. Any last sort of message for people listening to this, particularly if they're feeling a bit anxious about things at the moment, what would you be saying to them? Ooh, that's a good one. I think for me, you know, make sure you do look properly at all of these support schemes. I think the particularly the self-employed scheme, I mean, the condition is that you, your business needs to have been impacted by COVID. Now, HMRC do give some guidance as to what that means, and it, it's very wide ranging. So it's potentially quite easy to, to justify your business having been affected by COVID. Um, but I, again, I just come back to cash and cash flow. It, it is all about cash and managing cash flow at the moment. Um, so do your budgets, do your forecasts, 
think about the worst case scenario um, and be prepared for it. But equally, there are opportunities out there and we're seeing a lot of our clients exploiting those opportunities. So whether that might be, you know, staycation, holiday accommodation, you know, if they're running restaurants and cafes, you know, looking to do pre-packed picnics potentially. And there's an increased demand for access to the countryside as well uh, from, from the public. So there are definitely opportunities out there. That was Martin Dobinson at Safri Chambliss Accountants. And since making that recording with Martin, he's got back in touch to say that the farmer's annual investment allowance has changed as well. And uh, I've got a note from him here. He says, great news for those businesses looking to invest in new plant and machinery. The government has announced the extension of the temporary increase in the annual investment allowance through to 31st December 2021. Until that date, a business can spend up to £1 million in its financial year on qualifying plant and machinery and benefit from a 100% deduction of that expenditure for income or corporation tax. That is rather than the standard annual capital allowances of just 18 or 6% per annum. The annual limit had been set to fall to £200,000 from the 1st of January 2021, but now that won't happen until the 1st of January 2022. So there you have it. Lots of potential support for farming businesses and their workers to look into. And all information is on the government site, gov.uk. You're still ploughing on, and so are we. Get Farmer's Guardian delivered directly to your door every week and access the latest news from the world of agriculture 24-7 through fginsight.com. Simply subscribe to Farmer's Guardian. Check out our latest deals at fginsight.com slash subscriptions today. With Series 11 off the bake-off well underway and Series 12 now looking for farming contestants, I caught up with Ellie White a dairy farmer's daughter from Derbyshire who applied for Bake Off last year and has since started her own baking business. I caught up with her to find out a bit about the application process and how her business is doing. So I got the Word document and I read through it and there was an unbelievable list of things to do, sort of ranging from what inspired you to start baking um, and what was your favourite flavour combination and what how proficient you were in those um sort of categories and the categories range from sort of shortcast pastry to shoe to layer cakes biscuits uh, there's i think there is a massive range that you see on bake off it's not just um can you bake a cake it's can you do savory as well and i know on on this series there's been a japanese week so it really is a there's a huge scope of where you can go with that um so i started um, just filling out that application, I, I sent the application. I sort of listed my favorite favorite flavor combinations and all the trials that I'd done and practice bakes. And then the next stage, I got a lovely telephone interview from one of the producers. Uh, very friendly, just a general chit chat of. Um, how Bake Off would work. Um, you had actually a technical quiz sort of stating how do you make a meringue and that sort of thing. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't get through to the next stage uh, because I think I, work in the food in- I worked in the food industry, so it was a little bit too close for Bake Off. 
but it really did spur me on. I set up my own um, baking business. So I, so I make um, ranging from brownies to bespoke layer cakes and everything in between, really. Um, so I'm currently working on a Christmas range um, for lots of Christmas treats and goodies. Oh, wow. That sounds quite interesting. What kind of goodies have you got lined up? So I have a brownie and blondie range featuring lots of alcoholic based treats, <laughs> um, including Bailey's brownies and mince pie brownies, salted caramel and pecan and giant cookies, yule logs and bespoke layer cakes. And would you say it's the application process that's kind of given you this drive and ambition or was making cakes and selling them something that you've always fancied having a go at? Um, I think I always had a sort of passion for baking. My aunt, I used to bake with my aunt when I was little and my dad has always been a fabulous cook, but it's, it's not something that I really thought of until I, as you say, like I started doing the bake-off application. I started doing so many trial bakes. I thought, actually, I'm not bad at this. And I thought I could start selling them. And was there any particular pastry or dish or dessert that you tried to make and it just was a failure? I did attempt to make a tarte citron and it was going fairly well at the start and then it the pastry collapsed when I tried to take it out the pastry case so it was sort of just a flat bottom tart and then um, the lemon curd filling uh, split and then I changed that remade it and then there, I think there were sort of four of us trying to get a good photo for um, the application. Someone was sort of hovering with a light. and We were all using our iPhones, sort of just trying to shine and get a good light. There were sort of four of us lying on the floor trying to get a fairly decent photo. Yeah, it's all about <laughs> but, <those> angles. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I had a few sort of disasters, but I think it's about sort of trying again and persevering and practice makes perfect, I think. I look back at my Bake Off application, I realise how far I've come from the first cake that I started to decorate to the things that I'm making now. I don't think I'd have, in my wildest dream, believed that I could do something like that. I think the Bake Off application really did inspire me, to be honest. I think, actually, I could do this as a career. That's great to know. And how are you enjoying this series? Um, have, you, have you been watching it at home and thinking, oh, actually, I'm quite glad I don't have to make that? um there's yeah it's been it's been a really good series um I'm enjoying uh Matt Lucas being the new judge I think he's very funny um but I think I find it quite cringeworthy in some ways now that I'm doing it professionally I think there are some of the tasks like the brownies I was just cringing I sort of shouting at the tv I was like what are you doing um but I think I would struggle with the technical challenges when I think when you've got the cameras on you and there's so much pressure, mm. I think I would have had a bit of a meltdown. I think on a previous series though, um, someone served Mary Berry ice cream in a bin. I think that might've been me <laughs> sort of have a bit of a tantrum and say, no, I'm not doing this. I think I'd be the same. I don't have the patience for baking. Um, who'd you <laughs> like to win? Have you got a favourite or? I think I'm rooting for Peter. Um, <laughs> he sort of honours his Scottish 
Scottish heritage uh, with his cooking, sort of using a lot of oats and whiskey and honey. He's got some fairly quirky and creative uh, designs, but he's a young contestant. I think I'm rooting for him to win, to be honest. Yeah, I quite like Peter. And what else would you like to see your business doing in the future? Um, I'd like to expand into more, I know this sounds ridiculous, but more sort of farming based bakes. I'd like to sort of create a farming range, if that makes sense, in terms of like cow layer cakes. And um, I did, when I was applying for the Bake Off, I did some Highland cow, some sheep and uh, chicken cupcakes. Sort of, I'd like to sort of have that as a signature range of mine. Yeah, I think there'd be quite high demand from that. I always see um, friends at 21st birthdays with their farm-themed cakes. Um, there is a really niche market for that. And oh, why definitely. Is it good to have a farmer on Great British Bake Off if they could choose a farmer for the next Series 12? I think it would be nice to see someone supporting and like publicly endorsing the great quality of British produce. Um, and I think especially with COVID this year, I think it would be nice for a tv show to show a little bit of what our farmers have done during this pandemic so while other industries have been shutting down farming is sort of business as usual Um, and it it would be nice to see someone really championing sort of british food standards and sort of showing others what farming is really like and what it can bring to the table and nice to it'd be nice to see sort of a really homely um sort of farmer's wife sort of style baking really rustic and it's not all necessarily about the style it is what it tastes like at the end of the day Mm. you come to a cake you want something really homely and yummy not if it just looks good and how can i or any of our listeners listening along get hold of some of your delicious cakes so you can message me on Instagram at underscore Baker Lily or on Facebook at Baker Lily. Excellent. I'm sure to check it out. Well, that certainly put me in the mood for a slice of my wife Joanne's banana bread. But with her own peculiar sense of OCD in the kitchen, I'm not sure that Paul Hollywood and Prue Leaf would really be able to cope if she went on the show. And that's me in serious trouble later on. Well, that's it for this week, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform to keep notified of all the new episodes of Over the Farm Gate. Until next week, from us at Farmers Guardian and the team at the CLA, thank you for listening, and we hope you stay safe and well in these very, very strange times. Goodbye for now.